Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Hey, Soli. <laughs> yes, sir. You know one of your favorite Christmas movies? There's a song in it. There is. It's a terrible song, but once I've heard it once, it is all my brain wants to sing for the rest of Christmas. And it's not even a Christmas song. <laughs> it always makes me think of the the singers on SNL, one of which has little tiny hands. I think the SNL sketch with the singers with the little tiny hands are, are supposed to sort of make you think of these kinds of singers. We are, of course, talking about the song Sisters. 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 Performed by uh, Rosemary Clooney and... George Clooney. Uh, no, but Rosemary Clooney is George Clooney's aunt. That's weird. Anyway, uh, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Allen, who are the sisters, sisters in the movie White Christmas. And that kept going through my head the whole time we were watching Sisters from 1972. And once again, we took little to no notes. Well. Uh-oh. I took little to no notes. I have a page worth of notes. Oh, solely. I know. I have a word worth of notes. It, it took me one week. Oh. To, one week. To, to, to not be less is more. Well, I mean, to fall. Yeah. 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 I mean, technically, still less than I probably would have taken, but. I mean, it's the slogan. Less is more. 2024. Yes. Get with the program. I will try. I just wrote the word fetus. Is that from the introduction? That it's the, from the, the title. beginning credits? Yes. The beginning credits showed a lot of fetus. In fact, it showed a lot of feti. Feti. But you didn't really know that because no, it's hard to not. tell them apart in utero. Yeah. Let's let's dive into this movie. Let's Let's jump in, swim around in the drama that is this Hitchcock-style film. Yes, a Hitchcockian thriller by Brian De Palma, who many have said is kind of a uh, ripoff of Hitchcock. That's his, his thing. I Ouch. Mean, maybe that's rude. Maybe it's more of an homage to Hitchcock. It definitely had that feeling, which I can appreciate. I mean, I sort of, of feel... Of course you can. <laughs> well, obviously. No, I kind of feel the same way about this movie as I feel like watching The Glass Onion and being like, well, this is not... An Agatha Christie story, yeah. but it's in the style of, and I like it. This was in the style of, but I, I mean, I don't watch a lot of Hitchcock movies, but this felt different to me. Like, I don't know, it, it got weird. I think the way it felt to me was that it wasn't really convoluted. Like, there were just a couple of elements to what was going on, and we didn't know things at first, and we learned them later, but still, it wasn't like, 
oh no, this guy was doing this, and because he was out of the room, the other guy was doing that, or anything like that. Well, I mean, I think there were attempts at that, like like the whole conversation that Philip overhears the morning after when he's listening to Danielle yes. and Dominique Which yell leads at each to other. a surprise twist to the film. I mean, was it a surprise? It's supposed to be a because surprise. Because as if we were watching that scene where he's in the bathroom getting dressed and listening to the two sisters yell at each other, I was like, well, I know what's going on here. <laughs> Did you There's already? There's only one reason for this scene to be shot <laughs> from his perspective. Yeah. And now that you've mentioned that, I feel like there were, I don't know, several different things where you're like, hey, what's that about? And it kind of comes together. Like, for example, Philip is the guy that Danielle picks up at a bar or whatever. Oh, right. A, there's a whole crazy game show at the beginning of this. He's on the game show. She's on the game show. They go together for dinner at what a restaurant. And uh, then they go home to her place. And when they are being intimate, we see that she has like a big old scar on her leg, like weird looking, like it looks like a burn or something. And so don't know what that is. That's a little mystery. It's like high up on her thigh, like her <laughs> hip area, which <laughs> which does later... not fit the plot at all, right. if you ask me. Right. Okay. So let's just say right up front, this movie was from 1972. That's and true. as with all movies from the 70s that we review, it is rife with problematic behavior, <laughs> problematic language, problematic literally everything. Yeah. And it starts right out. You mentioned a game show. <laughs> yes. It's kind of it like Candid right Camera. With a game show called Peeping Toms, where the premise of the show is they set a guy up with like the opportunity to watch a woman undress without her knowledge just to see what will happen. Mm -hmm. What will he do next, audience? Yeah, it's that they still, I think they still have this show. It's the, what would you do? I forget what it's called, but it's something like that. There is something very similar to it that like <laughs> happens on YouTube now or, yeah. you know, like in social media. They, yeah, they, they do a yeah. thing like that. Or they, in that case, they present you with like a moral dilemma and they want to see if you're going to be good or bad, which exactly the same, except they don't give you the opportunity to be terrible they just they're just like oh someone lost their wallet are you going to give it back or not right we're no longer <laughs> setting people up to be sexually assaulted yeah and and also also no longer giving the guy who made the wrong choice a prize at the end but was it the wrong choice yes <laughs> that's the mystery according to them no he <laughs> Apparently made the right choice. Okay, so the character Danielle in the movie is playing a blind woman on this game show. She's not actually blind. She's pretending to be blind. She's on this game show. She's pretending that she's walking into this locker room that's under construction. <laughs> just, why, why did they just leave it like that? <laughs> right. Doesn't make any sense. It's under construction. And she's walking in, and because she's blind, she doesn't know that it's under construction and that there's a guy right there. Literally, just... the wall between the men's and women's section is gone. Right. It's just <laughs> it's just like the two-by-four framing. Yeah. And he's standing on the other side. And she walks in and starts taking her clothes off. And the dilemma is, what will he do? What will he do? And the three options <laughs> yeah. were stop, look, listen. Yeah. Silence is golden. And what was the third one? 
I don't know what goofy term they gave it, but it was leave. Just don't bother her and go away. Go away. Right. (laughs) So I think the first one, stop, look, listen, was like that he was going to watch her undress, right? I guess. I, in my 2024 brain, was like, (laughs) is that the one where he stays, but he turns around? Like, is that the good option? No, the good option apparently was Silence is Golden, which was the one where he just turned around. As far as we could tell, we didn't really see it. We saw him like turn and walk away a little bit. We knew he stayed in the room, but he could have just sat down and kept watching. Right. I have no idea. And I don't even know what the third option was supposed to be. None of the options were, tell the woman that she's about to undress in front of a stranger. Hey, lady, watch out. I'm right here. Don't take your clothes off. No, none of the options involved her having any kind of choice in the matter. Yeah. And so he does the, like, turn around and walk away, which apparently is making him a good guy. And he gets a prize at the end. Mm -hmm. Then they go out on a date to the restaurant where he won his prize at. Yes, dinner for two. Which is called the African Room. Yeah. And our first introduction to this restaurant is an extreme close-up of a gorilla on the wall. And you know there were drums beating while that Mm, gorilla was on the wall. It was so racist. And the waiters at this restaurant are dressed like Chippendales guys. Right, they have like collars and cuffs, (laughs) but no shirts. Yeah. In fact, I think whole he even had like insane. long tail. Like he had a, yeah. I think that's what it was. He was wearing like a a suit jacket with like a really long tail, but no shirt underneath. Yeah, I mean, so so normal FDA approved food safe clothing. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I mean, you know that stuff has to happen. There, ha- they have to be able to get permission for things like that because Hooters and the mm-hmm. tilted kilt exist. Well, and that. This kind of felt like Hooters for women, sort of. Yeah. But also very racist and horrifying. Yeah. Which I'm sure there were plenty of. And what they did include that I thought was kind of cool was when Philip looked at his prize, you know, he's looking at the card that says you get dinner for two at the African room. It showed it to us. And he kind of looked at it and was like, ugh. And Mm. he rolled his eyes. And so there was that, you know, these people don't know what they're doing and... I am offended by this. Yes. I, I don't think the message of the movie was supposed <laughs> to be like, look at this fancy restaurant. It's totally appropriate. I think it was like, oof, not oof. a good choice. But I don't know about the game show. Like, I don't know. Because game shows back in the 70s were weird. That all ties in, and so many other things in the movie do, to this offhand comment I saw on IMDb. I was you know looking at some reviews And I saw somebody say that, like, this was Brian De Palma's best, I think they said, comedic thriller. So I was kind of looking for comedy in this. And it starts out with the Peeping Tom show. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm. But the movie is not funny, except it's so weird. Maybe that's what it, maybe it was supposed to be like. That's what I wonder. Like. In the 70s, this was comedy. like. Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense. That makes it marginally better (laughs) and it was probably more obvious satire at the time well yes we are not qualified no and now looking back like i just assume that that's what the 70s were like because that's (laughs) what i've seen so much of so i i don't know i don't know anyway going home with danielle does not uh work out for philip 
No. Unfortunately, she has an evil twin who murders people. Or does she? Or does she? So Philip ends up dead. (laughs) And the murder of him is either seen or not seen by the lady across the uh, street in the apartment on the other side. Yeah. Because we watch him, like, be stabbed almost to death and then crawl across the room and, like, write, help me in blood on the window. And they did a convenient thing where we were, like, split screen. One side, we were from his perspective, and the other side, we were from outside the window. So you can see that she can, like, sort of see a hand coming up and and writing, and that's it. And then later, she's telling the cops, I watched him, you know, I saw who did it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't even look out the window until later. (laughs) Yes. There's just no way she saw anything except him sticking his hand on the window. The editing was funky. Like they were trying to tell one story, but they didn't tell the people who were editing the footage what the story was. So they didn't edit it the way the story went. Anyway, she's trying to convince the cops to investigate this murder that she saw. But unfortunately, she's an uppity woman. mm. And oh, this movie is all about how terrible cops are. You know how you know she's an uppity woman? Uh, no. She's a reporter in the 70s. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Only uppity women were well female reporters in the 70s. And specifically, the context here is that she writes stories about how bad the cops are and things they do wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when the cops hear it's her, they're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And But they show up and then they harass her. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. One of the cops says something totally racist and horrible. Just so you know, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, they certainly don't put the lie to the things that this reporter says about cops. (laughs) No, they do not. That's that's for sure. No. So once again, though, we're having this like two things are happening at once. On one side of the street, Grace, the reporter lady, is having a conversation with the cops on the phone and then making her way across the street to the other apartment building to meet with them. On the other side of the street... And taking exactly the same amount of time, Mm -hmm. Danielle, who has passed out, wakes up, calls her ex-husband, or at least that's what we think he is at this time, calls her ex-husband, he arrives... They stuff Philip's body into the pullout couch, which is kind of amusing, actually. Yes. Comedy. Ha ha. And also managed to clean up all of the blood in the apartment and put the apartment all back into order. And she gets dressed and does her hair and her makeup. With the exception, this cleanup, of a huge splotch of blood on the back of the couch, which nobody ever spots. Also, some things on the front of the couch that are just barely covered by the cushions. Yeah. Yes. Which, again, nobody spots. (laughs) And then the ex-husband wraps the knife and a bunch of bloody clothes up in a bag and leaves with them. Yeah. All of that happens in the same amount of time that it takes Grace to cross the street. And what's fun about that is that it's real time. It's split screen. We see both of these things happening. So it's that's kind of cool. It's got tension to it because, you know, oh, are they going to get it done? And is she going to catch them? Although we kind of want her to catch them. So my main tension <laughs> was why is it taking her 45 minutes to cross the street? <laughs> I... I don't think she had to cross the street. I think she lives in the same building. It's just a different, like, you know, goes around the corner. 
That makes it even worse. Yeah, it's not great. Like literally, I thought she had to like go down a building, across the street, and up into <laughs> another building. And it was ages for her to get there. It was it was a bit of a while. But we watched it all really happen, so it's true. And then they give her a hard time and refuse to help her because she once wrote a mean article about them. Yes. And they can't find any evidence that any of this happened because it was so cleverly concealed. Oh my gosh, the guy mopped up blood throughout the entire living room, mm-hmm. cleaned that window. I don't know what else he did. He did a whole bunch of serious mm-hmm. cleaning and it's real time. He did it. Although mm-hmm. if it was really blood, I don't think it would have come up so good. No. Also, they were lucky that the floor was apparently linoleum and not carpet like <laughs> I thought it was. Lucky or just 70s. That's true. (laughs) That could be our new game show, Lucky or 70s. Lucky or 70s. So the cops then, when confronted with these two options, in the hallway with them is a reporter with brown hair and a plain face and plain clothes. She's dressed, you know, very androgynously for the time, which is... She's a reporter. She's wearing something that I would wear every single day, you know, like (laughs) pants and a shirt, right? They have her versus... Behind the door, they find this deeply made up, coiffed, beautiful blonde woman in a dressing gown. French. With a French accent, because she's French-Canadian. It's different. I forgot. It's different. But who is, acts completely like brainless, right? Like, not a thought in her head. I don't know. Oh, I, you know, oh, I... I couldn't even begin to answer that sort of nonsense, right? (laughs) Based with these two women, there is an obvious choice as to which of them these cops are going to believe. I mean... Can't trust an uppity woman. Yeah, you can't trust an uppity woman. So that's smart. Yeah. All of that build up, right? And they're like, nope, there's no body here. There's no evidence of anything. We're leaving, you know, whatever. You were mean to us. The victim is black. Like, we don't care, Mm -hmm. is basically what they say. Yeah. So Grace decides she's going to pursue this case herself as a reporter. Right. And so she contacts somebody to, you know, do you want this story? I can go work on it. I think it's her editor, who it is suggested she's having some kind of affair with. See. Her mother said that while they were on their way to lunch. Yeah, her mother was... An uppity woman from New York. They force her to work with a private investigator on this. And she's like, I could do it myself. And they're like, oh, no, you need this guy Mm -hmm. because he's a man. Mm -hmm. And that's how it goes. That is, I feel like this is some of the comedy in the movie, but it's just nonsensical to me. Like this guy, the way he talks to her and addresses her, I think it's supposed to be comedic. Because it's so, like, he's just telling her what to do. He's like, yeah, you're going to get in there and go do this. And every time she tries to say something, he's like, no, shut up, do it. And it's so aggressive and so brutal. It's (laughs) so funny. (laughs) funny. (laughs) And what's what's funny about it is this uppity reporter is just like, okay. Like, every time he says something, she just shrinks a little more in her seat and just goes with it and in the end she just does exactly what he tells her to so haha funny right like oh yeah it was weird it was like i mean was that gender relations in 1972 or was that you know funny over the top weird and if it was why was her funny reaction to be a mouse well because it's always good to see a woman put in her place well that is for sure yeah that that makes everybody feel good. Yeah. I thought for a while that there was going to be like, like this was going to be, she was acting that way because she had finally found 
the man who could tame her, you know, like oh, that sure. sort of thing. Like, oh, suddenly she understood why it was important to be subservient so that she could have love. But at the end of the movie, that guy is on the top of an electrical pole <laughs> spying on the couch, which is now somewhere in like <laughs> North New York, like yeah. farm country. We have to squeeze in an inner part here. Eventually, the couch gets taken out of the place by, like, moving guys or whatever that are hired by the people trying to hide the body. They drive it off somewhere. The PI follows it, and basically Grace is left to try to solve this herself because he's insisting he's going to go where that couch goes. Yeah. And then we don't see him again, except for there at the literally the end of the movie is him spying on the couch. Spying on the couch while a guy drives up in a tractor and grabs a cow and takes it off. Like I'm like, where are we and what is happening and how did the couch get here and is the body still in it and what is going on? It's it's just extra mystery. Yeah. But anyway, that meant the relationship thing never happened that I was expecting. He was really into the couch is the thing. Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So Grace is left to solve this on her own. She finds out about a free range asylum. (laughs) Is that what a free range asylum? Well, that's what her mom was talking about. Like... And and here's where there was some like red herring stuff that happened that I'm kind of mad about. Because when she was having the conversation with her mom, her mom like kind of offhandedly was like, oh, by the way, I heard about this. There's this new asylum <laughs> where they just let the people go and live in apartments like real people. And like their doctors real humans? come and treat them like family members. And I was like, oh, because we already knew that Danielle had an ex-husband, right? Yeah. Who was like weirdly still uh, over yeah. her and in her life? That's another thing that was, he was so like he literally stood outside her apartment, crushing cigarettes under his feet, yeah. waiting for her to come out. Like all sat night. sat in the table behind her at the restaurant, yeah. and then was like, "Isn't it time for me to take you home?" Yeah, it was weird. really weird and creepy. But then again, not true, right? But before we find out that's not true, we're having this conversation. So I was like, "Oh man!" So her ex husband, air quotes is not her ex-husband. He's her doctor, and she's one of the patients who is allowed to live like a real person. And that that was, you know, it was going to be like, that was all it was, right? And that she is crazy and is Mm -hmm. two people and, you know, all that stuff. It didn't end up being exactly like that. Or did it? No, because he was her husband. (laughs) Was he her actual husband? I think so. Okay. At the very least, he was actually making out with her. Yes, they were, they were, romantically linked for sure i just didn't know if they were married i think they were because the whole thing was like that they were not just romantically linked like they wanted to have a baby they did have a baby and here's the big thing (laughs) she just didn't have a twin she had a conjoined twin she did twist spinally conjoined but when they (laughs) separated them she just got a little scar on her hip so mm, i don't know about that very far edge of the spine Right. The outer spine. You know, the part of your spine that's in your in your hip. Yeah, so they needed to be separated so that her twin wouldn't be watching them when they yeah. made a baby. That was a weird... That They were like making out and obviously she's attached to her twins. So her twin's there asleep, I guess. And she well, wakes up. she was up. supposed to be asleep. Well, I know. Yeah. But she she wakes up and she's annoying them. And Danielle's like, can you just make her go away and he injects her with something, which seems like uh, would affect her too. But I you guess not if they're joined at the butt. <laughs> I guess not. I don't know. 
yeah, it was all, there was, there were layers and layers of gross to that whole situation. <laughs> and it was supposed to be like this, her ex-husband, Emil was a creepy dude and he yes. was supposed to be, he looked like John Waters. Like that was just John Waters. Yeah. He, he was definitely supposed to be someone that you were kind of skeezed out by. Yeah. But yeah, he was doing lots of very inappropriate things. All the more so because we haven't really mentioned he ran this asylum and yeah. So he did creepy things with patients and Danielle was a patient. And so creepy thing. So he does decide to, you know, give his lover slash wife her wish and separate them. Well, he did that because she was going to have their baby. Right. And Dominique tried to kill Danielle, tried to kill the baby, tried to stab Danielle. In fact, oh. I think she did stab Danielle. And that's why they had to separate them oh. because there was a medical emergency. Oh, I was thinking it was just that she couldn't give birth while attached mm -hmm slightly to someone else <laughs> well someone slept in the bed next to her <laughs> yes <laughs> no i think that i'm remembering now i think she became pregnant dominique was like super jealous because somehow you know danielle got all the sweet innocent sugar and spice mm -hmm. genes and dominique got all the you know crazy person genes yeah so she tries to kill danielle for being pregnant and they end up having to separate them and dominique dies and Danielle can't handle it. Feels guilty. Yes. As she should. Fair. But, you know. She has a mental breakdown and decides she's also Dominique. Yes. But only at certain times. Yeah. It's an off and on thing. You can tell, though, because she either has delightfully brushed and styled hair, or her hair looks like a bundle of straw on her head. And the part about that that bothers me, like, I don't have a problem with them, you know, making them look different. But the part that bothers me is that it happens instantaneously. Well, what you, you have to understand hair comes out of your head. Mm -hmm. Your brain is in your head. Mm. So your brain can control how nice your hair is. Right. I keep forgetting that. Mm -hmm. I really wish that were true. <laughs> uh, do you? Cause things would happen, <laughs> especially when you get mad and it's just like, <laughs> Okay, you're right. I don't wish that had happened. <laughs> I was just thinking it would be nice to be able to control my hair and make it look the way I want it to look. But if it's the other way around, yeah, no. Okay, so all of that weirdness happens. And yet, there is an additional layer of weird to this movie. Okay, so maybe maybe there's a lot to this movie. Because we're finding all of this out through a soliloquy performed by Dr. Emil as he feels up his wife slash ex-wife slash patient as Grace, the reporter, is drugged and laying in the bed next to her. Drugged and hypnotized. Right. And she's like becoming Dominique, but not really. Well, she's but like playing of. the role of Dominique. Yeah. To me, it sort of felt like... You know, there's like a treatment for people who have lost limbs and have like phantom mm -hmm. pains where you put a mirror and yeah. you like, it looks like that limb is there and you know, whatever they do things and it like tricks your brain into yeah. resetting and, and turning that pain off. It sort of felt like they were doing the phantom limb treatment, only the limb that was missing <laughs> was her entire sister. Yeah. So they stuck a grace there. Right. And then like drugged both of them and was like making them both feel like they were conjoined twins so that mm -hmm. Danielle could somehow process that trauma. Yeah. I mean, you said it's a soliloquy, but it came with visions mm, and that yes. somehow she was 
learning things oh, yes. through we, these visions. We went in and out through Grace's eyeball <gasps> yeah, multiple times. Yeah. And the reason Grace is there to be drugged and hypnotized and play the role of Dominique in this little like psychodrama is that she, as a reporter, showed up and was like, I want to know more about this asylum. And at first, one of the nurses there or one of the attendants or whatever he was, was like telling her, no, we can't tell you anything. You have to leave. Yeah. And then Dr. Emile shows up and goes, it's very oh, clever. Margaret. <laughs> Why are you telling him all of these things? And he introduces her as the new patient that arrived the night before. And this doctor, doctor, nurse, whoever was just like, oh, okay. And so now yeah, she's I trapped. wasn't in at that point, so I missed it. Yeah. So now she is trapped in this asylum. And what she is saying, I'm a reporter. I don't belong here. They just think is the uh, rantings of a I crazy feel like lady. That's a classic 70s plot that has happened many times. Mm -hmm. They're like, just if you can convince people that the other person is a patient, mm -hmm. then suddenly it does not matter what that person says or what they do, because it all makes sense. They're mm -hmm. just crazy. Mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say that it's not just common in 70s plots, but like a significant chunk of our history in this country mm -hmm. involves men being able to say, my wife is crazy because she reads, she mm. doesn't listen to what I'm saying, she... All of this is true. Whatever. My wife is crazy and taking her somewhere and getting her locked up. And then that woman being like, I'm not crazy, I don't belong here, <laughs> and being completely ignored because some man said she was crazy. Or she could be burned at the stake. That's another option. Well, there is that. Yeah. But that was kind of fun. They locked her up. And then hypnotized her, specifically hypnotized her to answer questions about the murder with, mm. oh, that was just a ridiculous mistake. There was no body because there was no murder. Yes. And so that the, the end of the movie, she's talking to some people and they're like, so what happened with the murder? She's talking to the cops again, right? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't pay attention. I think it was the same cop who now <laughs> is like, I think there was a murder and comes back. Yeah. And she's like, there was no body because there was no murder. And at first they're like, what? What's going on? But then she keeps repeating it. And they're like, why is she saying the same thing? Mm -hmm. so and now they're annoyed because once again, she's being difficult. <laughs> yes. She's being difficult. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And that's sort of where it ended. Except for the... Uh, couch watching well oh and we missed the part that where emil dr emil gets stabbed because mm. he i don't remember is like kissing danielle and that makes dominique come because he thought he had fixed her but he didn't and right. so dominique came and stabbed him and came out of danielle's brain and right, stabbed him right and so he ends up dead so now we just have these two women Danielle was really simple she really was i do feel like dominique got all the brains <laughs> Such as there were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of trauma in Danielle's life. Yeah, for sure. So that's pretty much it. And I guess my big takeaway of this movie, which I wrote down as my last note, is reading, writing, and being independent makes a lady brain weak. <laughs> that's a fair takeaway. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty much where it ended. I feel like it's fairly obvious from everything I've had to say about this movie, how I felt about it. And I recognize like this was one of our reviews 
And I recognize this was one of our reviews where we mostly just recapped the movie. Like we summarized the story in a really chaotic way. So (laughs) you're welcome. It adds to the fun. It does. And that's, I think that was the most fun about this movie was that it was chaotic and (laughs) the, there were all kinds of just extremely bizarre things happening. And that was the only way I could enjoy it. Because when I really thought about what any of these things were and and what they meant and what the, you know, the reality of all of it, it was just, there was just nothing but grossness about humanity in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think if I had tried to dive too deep into any one thing, it just would have been a whole rant about racism or sexism or ableism or, you know, all of the many things, Mm -hmm. which obviously we went into some. So I guess all of that is to say... I don't think anyone will be surprised when I score this movie two and a half karate lessons out of five. <laughs> yeah. Because it was, oh, it was so frustrating. It was so, yeah. as a woman watching this movie, it was frustrating. As a person from the 21st century watching this movie, it was frustrating. And I like Hitchcockian films. I like the whole, like, almost the simplicity and innocence of a movie from the mid 20th century Mm -hmm. saying like, surprise, Dominique was dead all along. And it was, you know, the twin was in her mind. Like, I mean, that would have been really clever at that point before it had been done 70 times. Yes. But I think it had already been done enough times that it wasn't new anymore. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, so cliche. So, I wanted to like this film, but I found it disappointing. And I I think that is a largely a factor of the decades between when it was made and when I watched it. I don't know that I would feel comfortable having watched this movie being like, yes, I agree. Brian De Palma is a weak <laughs> replica of Hitchcock. You know? I, don't, I don't know if anybody said he was bad at it, just that he was trying to bring back that style. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely see that. But in my mind, he was a weak replica of Hitchcock. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good opinion. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, two and a half, two and a half karate lessons. How okay. about you? I did want to just bring up real quick that there's a very romantic scene in this movie in which Philip goes to the bakery to get a cake for Dominique and Danielle's birthday. Mm, yes. And the weird cake lady who doesn't know how to do cake writing is going to do the cake writing for him after he badgers her. And he's like, come here, I'll show you. And it's this weird close-up of her hands doing the cake, and then his hand slips over hers to like, correct her writing. Which, <laughs> dude, just write it yourself. He should have written it himself. But he couldn't because writing letters on a cake is women's work. Oh, that's true. But a man can guide them and show them how it's done. Always. <laughs> Speaking of men and women and them being the same person, a thing, a thought I had in the Hitchcockian vein while seeing this, like halfway through, I'm like, wait a minute. Emile is always hanging around outside and he got to her house incredibly fast Mm -hmm. after the murder. Is he Dominique? And that was going to be an exciting little twist. Yeah. Because he was weird. He wore like these weird black gloves and stuff. Not that. That makes him a woman, but it was just a weird thing. Like that he had on a costume of yeah. some kind. Sure. And and but no, that was that mm-hmm. was not the case. But anyway, that was that was my twist on the on the genre. So none of that happened. 
But none of the interesting <laughs> things happened. What what did happen that was interesting? I really liked the split screen parts because it it kind of went into this real time thing where we're seeing two different perspectives on what's happening, mm-hmm. and it's really there's a lot of tension and it's a race between the two sides. It happened again later when the PI was in in the apartment looking for clues, and Grace is outside watching to see that in fact yes Emil and Danielle are coming home and he has to mm. escape oh no what's happening <gasps> but he made it out and i don't entirely understand how but he did so he made it out good. he jumped into the vehicle and he demanded that they follow that truck <laughs> yes because that's where the couch was and he will do he will demand whatever he wants to demand cuz he is a demand mhm mm-hmm. and i give this movie also two and a half karate lessons out of 5 I, it wasn't terrible, but it was not not for me for sure. But I did like that spicy little heist movie element that that it had yeah. in there. Yeah. All right. Fight the horror of a world gone mad. It's tempting, given this particular movie, to go into a hot political tip about the behavior of cops. Cops. But I'm going to assume that you all know how I feel about that. And there are other places you can learn about that particular situation. So instead, my hot political tip this week is going to be that you can find out who your U.S. senators, your U.S. House representatives, you can find out who they are and how to contact them by going to congress.gov. You go there. There's a place for you to look up who are my congressmen. And uh, I highly recommend that you do that. And then once you do that, that you send them an email letting them know how you feel about whatever is going on. Whatever nonsense. Right now, the thing that I am writing my elected officials at that at the federal level about is the looming government shutdown again mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, certain House representatives are once again throwing a temper tantrum and threatening to shut down everybody's everything if they don't get their way. Um, But by the time you hear this, that may or may not have been resolved. The current deadline is January 19th. One of the deadlines is January 19th. A second deadline is February 2nd. So if you're hearing this before those dates, you should probably write your elected officials. If you're hearing this after those dates, I assure you there is something... (laughs) something to write to them about. Uh, that's a Just fair bet. Look at the news and pick whatever makes you the angriest. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, that's that. That's Congress.gov. You can also use ResistBot. Look it up. It will let you get messages to them without doing all that hard work of going to Congress.gov. True story. ResistBot is amazing. All right. So that's it for the 70s. Let's zoom on ahead because I'm sure we're going to watch something more recent next. Yay! All right, I'll see you next week. See you then. Bye. Bye. around? Hmm.